0: Hello! Welcome back to Move This World with Sarah, Conversations in Social-Emotional Learning. I recently sat down with Jim Cavanaugh, CEO of Worldwide Technology. With us was the company's president, Joe Koenig, who's been a close friend of Jim's ever since they were college roommates and soccer teammates together more than 30 years ago. We spoke of relationships and Jim's theory that if we focus our energies on getting what he calls our inner circle right, then that positivity and support can be the foundation for being our best, most authentic selves. And judging from the obvious love and respect these two men had for each other, I can see that his theory works. They also talked about what it's been like building a global multi-billion dollar business with your best friend. So before we dive into this discussion, I'd love to take a minute to center ourselves, given that there's a lot of chaos in the world and also in our days, and allow us to be fully present to the conversation at hand. So let's just take a moment to take three deep breaths together. And as we breathe each time, let's think of one specific distraction or stressor that we want to shed, that we want to move out of our heads, out of our bodies, and into a separate space that will allow us to be fully present to one another. So let's take our first breath in and out. And let's take our second breath, imagining that stressor or distraction moving beyond us. Breath in. And out. And let's take this third breath for that third distraction, moving out of our heads and bodies. Breath in and out. Thank you. All right, excited to dive in. So, Jim and Joe, before we talk more about your work together, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your friendship and how you got to know one another back at St. Louis University.
1: Joe and I met in college, but when Joe came to St. Louis University at that year, when he was a freshman, we got to know each other quite well and became very close friends. Many of them work for worldwide technology and it's been a lot of fun. We know each other quite well, probably better than we should in a number of different ways. It's been fantastic, but that was really the start of the relationship.
2: It was a startup, something very, obviously, very special that we have been friends now for four years plus. So it's been a fun run and probably a lot more years to come too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. We actually lived together my senior year. It was an incredible time. So much fun. We were all soccer players, but even more important than being teammates, we were great friends and we're still great friends. So it was a great time and continues to be a great time.
0: I think it can't be a coincidence that you're such close friends. You work so closely together. And Jim, you've spoken extensively about this idea of your inner circle and keeping your inner circle right. And by working to cultivate the relationships in your inner circle, you can have a multiplier effect, a positive impact on the world. And so I'm thinking about this close friendship that you developed back in college, and now how you continue to work together, how do you think about investing in that inner circle and those relationships so that you can show up and have a greater impact on the world?
1: I think one of the mistakes that people can make when you have great success, whether it's in sports or or business or politics or entertainment or whatever it may be, is that you can lose sight at times and think that, You know, the number one most important thing is this broader audience. Think about social media today. You can reach and connect with a lot of people. Well, I hate to say it, but a lot of those connections are very superficial. You know, they can be nice and there's a lot of great people out there, but they really don't know you and you're not really connected and there's not a whole lot of substance to those relationships. If you go speak to a crowd of 10,000 people or if you are on a podcast and you connect with, Those people, it can be great. You can have an impact on those. But at the end of the day, I believe that you really need to start with the people that are closest to you and the people that mean the most to you. And sometimes I think people take those people for granted and you lose sight of the foundation. I think that's the foundation of who you are are these real relationships. Because when times get tough, And you really need friends and you need family or you need people. Friends can be as close as family. And family, how do you make sure you don't take your family for granted? So I just think that really taking the time to reflect on and not taking for granted your close friends and your family and making sure that you think about that and reflect on it. And I feel incredibly fortunate to have great friends like Joe and other great friends that we collectively and mutually have along with our families, those are the most important people to me. And then from there, if we can continue to grow and develop and kind of drop that pebble in a lake or the ocean and the waves and the ripples go out and we have a broader impact on the community and society and employees and all of that, that is just gravy. But if you don't take care of the foundation of your true, meaningful, deep relationships. I think it's really hard to build meaningful relationships in a bigger, broader way.
0: Well, how do you go about doing that given the demands that you have, that you're faced with, all of the competing priorities and directions that you're pulled in, your employees, your direct reports? How do you intentionally prioritize and carve out the both time and energy for that inner circle? What does that look like in a day?
1: Well, I think I've learned from my parents early on. My dad was a bricklayer. He dropped out of school. I think it was eighth grade or freshman in high school. So we were very much a modest middle-class family, but one that I learned very hard, my dad was a man of few words that Joe knows him quite well, basically was pretty clear about things that he felt was important and things my mom felt were important, like loyalty to your family and to your friends and stand up for yourself and who you are. And my mom, always be honest and deal with people with a high level of integrity. So there were just fundamental things, also work ethic. Unfortunately, I always had a set of chores, my brother and I, every weekend before, whether in grade school, high school, as we go on. But learning those, I would say, common values and traits at a very young age and what's important and being loyal and true to your friends. That really was a foundational piece for me. And then I would say as, you know, as I've grown and had fortunate success in sports and now business, I've always been able to reflect back. And I would say even now more so than when I was younger, I've grown to have a greater appreciation for the importance of the people that are closest to you and to make sure that you don't take those for granted. So, Sarah, to your point, I do reflect back on those things almost every day and think about you know how grateful I am for the friends that I have and for the family that I have. And that, I believe, keeps me grounded. And I can tell you, the close friends that I have, like Joe and my family, trust me, they do not treat me special. If I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing or acting away, they will all call bullshit on it. And they will like Mm -hmm. get off your high horse. Who in the heck do you think you are? Mm -hmm. And trust me, I, I will get that from Joe very directly. And I will get that from my mom and dad and my kids and everybody around me. That's just something I don't take that for granted. And at the same time, I think they would run through a wall for me. And I think they would do anything for me and vice versa. So that's where my advice to anybody is get that core right. If you have success, don't let it go to your head. Your relationships are the most important thing in life. And if you don't have those, things become very, very superficial.
0: And, Joe, given that you have this over 30 year friendship, working relationship with Jim, what are some of the habits, traits that you see having remained unchanged?
2: That's a great question, Sarah. So, I go back even prior to joining Worldwide Technology and look at our friendship and when we room together and so forth. There are habits and traits that you admire in people, that's why you're friends, right? And so, whether that's having fun, their teamwork, their integrity, their hard work, just in general. I see those as I saw those in college. I see those today. He has this passion for learning, a passion to be better, never be complacent, and pushes us and so forth in that same way. So all those things, when I first met him, I think they're even better and more focused today.
0: This idea of an inner circle So much of why we do these conversations or strive to have these conversations with close friends and family members is because we know that this work happens in community, that we need people to hold us accountable, to lift us up, to push us forward. But we also recognize that there are relationships that are not as productive or supportive in helping us be the best versions of ourselves. So I'm curious, when you talk about this inner circle, Jim, have there ever been moments where you've had to kind of make the call, like, I have to let this person go from my inner circle, or this is a really difficult decision, but this is no longer serving me? And part of why I asked that is we recently had another conversation on the show with someone who talked about this idea of our relationships and bodies and minds being porous and how we absorb the energies of those around us, and not all of that energy transfer is positive. So I'm curious, as you think about the inner circle, has there ever been a time where you've said, this inner circle has to change? Like, I am the CEO of the inner circle.
1: Joe and I are both very fortunate that we have a number of people that we are very close to, and we've been very close to for a long time. And there's individuals, I would say, Unfortunately, at the company, I wouldn't necessarily say they were part of the real inner circle of our most trusted relationships and friendships, but still, they were call it friends and people involved with what we were doing. That we've had to make difficult decisions from a business perspective in regards to the growth of the company and maybe the company outstripping someone's capabilities. And that's a tough decision that you have to make from a business perspective. To me, Sarah, I would almost respond, and Joe, you may be thinking of something that maybe I'm not, but a lot of the individuals that we're very close with, I think we've helped each other to continue to raise everybody's game. And I think we have collectively challenged each other to be better and, one, to be vulnerable about things. If one of us are getting too big in the head. (laughs) or There's things that we're always constantly trying to learn. I think there's a lot of friends that we have that I think we have helped push each other to be better, not just better relative in business, but to be better people. Continue to think about, you know, what we do, how we act, how we behave.
2: Yeah, the thing that does jump out to me, I think you're right, not much has changed in our inner circle. That's true. We've been very fortunate and we've known people for, you know, I've known some of our friends since I've been five years old. And that's definitely been blessed for that. There are definitely people, though, that have moved into the inner circle over the last 10 or 15 years, right? And those are people that, to your point, Sarah, that have brought us up, that have been fun to be around, that have been very positive energy. And they've moved in there, and they're very good friends of ours. However, there's also people that we've also moved out that could have been, but over time, maybe they exhibited the values or characteristics or behaviors that didn't give us positive energy that brought us down and became not to be fun around. And they are not in the inner circle today. So I think the inner circle evolves in a positive way. And to your point, even sometimes in the other way, but for us, most of it's been, I think, in a positive way, but it's also been a way to really attract people they even make us collectively better. And that's been great to have that and have more people added to that circle because, you know, we all try to continue to improve. I think adding different types of people into there that provide different perspectives has helped both of us.
1: I will say that I think the things that we have gone through has caused everybody to raise their game in regards to Their values and how they behave and who they are and in a lot of cases on the business side we say like working at worldwide it's a great place to work it's not an easy place to work and we've got high aspirations in regards to what we do where we're going and the amount of time and effort that we need to to put into that so it has been an evolution but i think the group has actually grown And I have reflected on recently, and I'm like, we're very fortunate to have the number of really significant friends that we have.
0: Not many people can say that they have, or even could, build a global multi-billion dollar company with one of their best friends and college roommate. What's it been like bringing your friendship into the professional realm and having these really high aspirations professionally and knowing each other so well as people? How have you navigated that long history of friendship and those really ambitious professional pursuits?
2: Uh, because it's an interesting perspective that I know when Jim asked me to come over to Worldwide and Jim said, hey, I think now's the time. I think we're stable. And I'm like, fantastic. I've been at Computer Sciences Corporation for six years. Have doing very, very well. So now we're stable. Yeah, I'd love to come over. You need to be in sales. All right. So I came over. And before I did, people were like, wait a second, you sure you're going to go to work for a friend? Not sorry, Jim, but a friend. You know how it is? They say, but never work with friends. And I'm like, boy, I'm not sure I really believe that because why wouldn't you want to work for one of your best friends? He has your back. You trust him and you know what he's like. To me, this is a win as opposed to going to work for someone you don't know. So as long as I do my job, And I hold him accountable to do his job. Hey, this will win win for us all. So, all right, let's move over there because the business is stable. Well, we almost went out of business three months later. So I'm like, Jim, what's your definition of stability? I need to know that right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a lot of fun kind of in those first few years, at least that I was there. But again, I think when you have someone that Jim knew was loyal to him, I knew Jim was loyal to me. And that trust was there. Those difficult times that we faced at rock bottom became a lot less difficult when you have that friendship, that trust, that you know mutual admiration about humility and responsibility that we all knew what we had to do. That becomes just a little bit easier that way.
1: Yeah, that, unfortunately, that is quite funny, and it is 100% true. <laughs> what Joe just described, I thought we were on more stable ground. What happened... With him coming on, as I was talking to Joe, I was just like, Joe's a smart guy and was good at math and went into kind of like the technical side and programming. And I was just like, no, even stronger than that is your personality and your ability to get along with people. And you're definitely an extrovert. I was like, you need to be in sales. You'll be a great sales leader. And that's really what I was bringing Joe over to do. Well, at that point, we were a small business three years in. And there was another owner of the business that really was not a great person from a values and behaviors perspective, but was actually my boss and the second largest owner of the business. And there were basically three of us. At that point, that individual is doing some things that he should not have been doing, along with just his work ethic and the values and behaviors were not right. So I had to figure out a way to fire that owner, which... Is a tricky situation <laughs> considering he was a larger owner of the business and your boss, but he needed to go. And I did know if he didn't go and if he stayed, this business would not make it. And oh, by the way, that individual wanted to fire Joe. And Joe knows that as we were running through some tough times. So he was looking at firing a lot of different people. And I was like, no, you're not firing them. I'm firing you. And it was a pretty hostile <laughs> situation for a while, but without going into the details, it worked out. And a bit of that was really getting people in place, the right people with the right values and the right work ethic. And Joe was absolutely one of those people that was key to writing the ship of worldwide. And I will tell you that over the years, just working through that, it's really having a very strong relationship. and. Being transparent and vulnerable in accepting of input because Joe would do just that and give me input in regards to maybe things or ideas that I had on a business side or just behaviorally. And we do that to this day. To this day, our advisory board meetings that we have, we will have trust sessions where we go around the table and we don't just talk about how each one of these seven or eight advisors. Are doing from a business perspective and a leadership, we talk about how are you behaving and how are you perceived? And talking about somebody's performance on the business side is very different than talking about somebody's personal behavior. And that's the kind of trust and relationship that we have. And you mentioned, Sarah, it's how do you have friends working with other friends? Well, it can be a positive and can be a negative. If you're not willing to open yourself up and do the right thing. And when I look at Joe also, Joe knows that I am very demanding and he understands that. And when Joe came in, I also was very clear. I'm like, Joe, you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. You're going to have to set the example because people are going to look at you and say, because you were my roommate, because you played soccer with me, that you're getting a free ride. And so we have to set the example. And we did just that. And I'll give an example. You know, I think it was nineteen ninety-four or so, where I made the changes that I just described. And, you know, as Joe and I, and it's kind of a funny story, but but well, we went on a sales call to the Marines in Quantico, Virginia. And it was Joe and I flying up to DC with our account rep who was 10, 15 years our senior. The account rep put the proposal together. Joe and I and the account rep went out to dinner. And we were going through the proposal and we're like, wow, this is not going to cut it. And we had, our meeting was the next day at eight o'clock in the morning at the Marines in Quantico. And so we basically were like, we, we got to rewrite this whole thing. We, we got to redo this. And well, it's back in the day, there weren't laptops and there weren't the phones and all the technology we have. Well, we had to go find a Kinko's and we had to go to the Kinko's and we basically rewrote the entire proposal. Spent the entire night doing it. I think we finished up around 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Came back to the hotel, took a shower, went to the Marines. From there, we, we basically presented the proposal, which was kind of funny. It went over very well. When the meeting was done, the major, Major Burnett, came back out, told Joe and I, said, really like what you guys presented. I'm going to award this to you. He said, but don't ever bring that rep back again that you had. And we're like, well, why? And he said, well, he fell asleep in the back of the room. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we kind of explained to him. We said, well, this is what happened. We worked all the way through the night. We didn't sleep at all. We came in, we did this. And he's like, well, too bad. He goes, don't bring him back. My point being is that grit and determination and hard work that Joe would always demonstrate on the field. And I would say I was the same way. Then about three or four weeks later, so that major, and I'm not exactly sure on the timing there, how long it was. But it was after that meeting, the major called and said, look, there's another big government-wide contract. I don't have a whole lot to do with it, but I want to turn you guys on to this and get you involved. And so he went out of his way to help us because of the time and effort that we put in. And that was really an inflection point to help us to work ourselves out of this hole that we were trying to dig out of, you know, as a company. So would say there's the, the commonality of Joe and I have been through a lot of really trying times that at that point in time, it those are just things you got to do. And that's a big part of what, what we do as friends. So anyway, we look at it, as Joe mentioned, the friendships that we have today, if everybody understands that you are now being held to a higher level of accountability and you don't take any of that for granted then it can actually play to your advantage. If you don't do that, then it can be very detrimental to the value of the business because people are like, you're giving people a free ride.
0: It certainly takes a particular kind of person, though, to have that entrepreneurial spirit, because you as the entrepreneur, Jim, I don't want to say of course, but Yeah, that's in your DNA. You're built like that. Yes, you're going to stay up all night, and then you're going to go back and take a shower and submit the proposal at 8 a.m. Because you have no other choice, especially when you're in a precarious situation. That's why I had a little chuckle when Joe said, you know, we have to have a conversation about what stability is. I think there's so many people who have worked for me who have, like, kind of had that same thing. When I knew this was a startup and we were building it, but, like, how startup are we talking? Of course, you are going to have that composition as a leader and as a person, but it is questionable. You might say you want this, Joe, but do you really want to be up all night at Kinko's and then take a shower? And So I hear you. There's this tension between the trust and loyalty of a friend and also having to navigate that with huge ambitions. I wanted to ask you about this idea of in order to be an excellent leader, you have to be content with who you are. I read that you said that, and that your favorite book is The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. And I actually did a 12 day silent meditation retreat where the Dalai Lama lives in Dharamshala, India. And that comment really resonated with me this idea of, I think about it more as inner peace. I don't know if it's always happiness and joy and sunshine and rainbows, but inner peace, or to use your words, contentment for sure. And that being content with who you are allows you to lead, allows you to take risks. I'm curious, how have you reached contentment? Because I think for so many people, it's really hard. And for so many people, there's this idea like, okay, I get this job. I move to this new location. I check this box on my life journey, have a baby or get married or do the things that the world is telling me I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be content or I'm going to find joy. And that's not necessarily the case. So how have you found contentment?
2: Hey, Jim, before you start, hold on, hold on. So let me say, Sarah, that since I've known him for so long, this has been a journey for him. This is one that dating back to college, to the beginning of worldwide, to even 20 years ago, to 15, five years ago, it has been a journey slash evolution for him. And over that time, I think his passion to learn more about this particular topic has led him to read so many different books, listen, actually, he listens to books, and as well as also ask a lot of questions to people, other CEOs, that other people he runs into about their perspective on life, their perspective on job and and other aspects of that. And then ultimately led him to that book. And by the way, he made me read that book, too, just FYI. And so I think that just is about what fuels him, is wanting to be better, to improve. And knowing that he knows he was a high-strung person all his life and he always wanted to be better. He wanted to push the envelope 100 miles an hour. And over the course of time, he's evolved in a point of how I channel that the right way to the right people the right way so that I can be an even more effective leader in the business world, a friend, a family, and so forth. So I think it has been a journey for him that now is a big piece of what he is today as he moves forward. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And to your question around
1: contentment. First of all, I think contentment can be described a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. And sometimes I think it's okay to have some varying definitions of that depending on how you look at that. But my view on that is at a very high level, one, contentment does not mean complacent. Contentment does not mean you're just sitting on your butt pontificating about life. It's about getting to a place that you feel good about. Now, again, it, what you're doing and what's important to you, that depends on you and who you are. So when I look at personally myself, I still have great ambitions about things that I want to do with the collective leadership team and all of worldwide and growing the business from a business perspective. A lot of aspirations and goals and big ideas that's going to require a lot of hard work. But contentment to me means if those things don't happen, I am not going to be crushed. What's most important to me is my family and my friends and making sure that I understand that that is the most important thing to me. And nobody can take that away from me. If the job goes away, if we don't hit our numbers, if we don't grow to this point, but what's most important to me is to make sure that those relationships, because I know those people that I know are real friends and that are my family members that we really support each other. My overall point is people around you that truly care about you and not what your title is or the money you have. So when I look at that, I think you need to reflect on yourself and say, are you content? It doesn't mean you can't have these incredible aspirations to be a great athlete or to be a great entertainer or do these things in business. I think that's all good. Just making sure that you have a foundation really understanding what's really important to you. And that's really what I try to reflect on and try to look at because I enjoy business. I enjoy what we're doing. I don't enjoy every minute of every day. There's challenges and things that we deal with as leaders. It's like, wow, I'd prefer not to, but you know what? That's part of the job. That's part of what you have to do if you want to be a great leader. What is fascinating today that I would challenge people to think about Uh, What you just did, I think you said 12 days of silence and meditation and that, that's fascinating. I'm not sure I could do that. And I find it very fascinating to listen to different people like the Dalai Lama. There's some real brilliance out there that's happening today or has happened 2,000 years ago. And the other thing is that I would just say in regards to that contentment is taking knowledge that you're getting and and insights from those, but incorporating it into your life. What's most important to you? Just because this was most important to Marcus Aurelius or the Dalai Lama doesn't necessarily mean that has to be the most important thing to you. I can tell you it is worth listening and learning from these fascinating and very insightful and wise people to get better. So I think that word contentment Here's another way I would look at it, Sarah, that we incorporated the word humility into one of the core values of worldwide. And I think people at times can look at the definition of humility in different ways. When we first looked at that, and Joe and I and some other leaders had, we really go through a vetting process before bringing any other type of value in because Joe knows on this like our leadership curriculum and our values that's one thing I'm very very particular about so anyway long story longer that we incorporated humility in and there were some people that were like what, what, what why are we doing that Humility means you're weak and you're and I'm like well, no 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 I said don't confuse our perspective on humility we want very confident bold people but there's a big difference between being confident and being cocky and arrogant. We don't want cocky and arrogant. We want confident people that are also caring people. So I think contentment is a word that is worth everybody kind of challenge yourself to think about what is really important to you and what really makes you happy and somewhat at peace with yourself. And it doesn't mean that you can't have big aspirational goals because I certainly do. And I think we've got a lot more that we can do it worldwide as a team.
0: Do you ever fall off? Do you ever find there are either micro moments or stretches of time where you don't feel as content?
1: I am sure there are times to to think about the values and the behaviors that you have and write those down and think about really what's important to you, but then to go back and reflect on those every day Before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning and think about those values and behaviors that you think are very important to you, how did you behave today? How did you act in that meeting? How did you respond to that really stressful situation? Were you happy with yourself? Did you feel like you handled it well? And my answer at that point was, some days I do better than others. And sometimes I'm at night, I'm like, wow, I'm not really happy with the way I handled that situation. So when I look at contentment, it's almost a bigger, broader question that I do reflect. I think it's something that you do need to continue to reflect on and say, are you doing the things? Do you feel good about who you are and what you're doing? And I don't think anything's perfect. There's nothing perfect out there. So I think at times you can feel better about yourself. But I do think it is something very, very worthy of thinking about very thoughtfully think about really what makes you happy and what are those things that you need to do? Because I do, I think it gives you just a foundation It's very important to just about anything you do.
0: Thank you, Jim. In the spirit of friendship and inner circles that both lift up and hold us accountable, I'd love to close with a quick grounding exercise to just go ahead and identify something that we are appreciative of in this moment? And it could be a word or a phrase, something that's resonant with you that you're taking from this discussion as we move on with our days.
1: I would say two quick things. Just incredibly grateful for my friends and my family. They are the foundation, the people that are closest to me. So just in Incredibly grateful and really very, very fortunate.
2: So, the one thing that I would say, Sarah, is I too am very grateful for my family, my friends, as well as my health. I just want to share one story with you is that this relates to the inner circle. Because in the inner circle, friends are determined by good times and bad times. And so, five years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. And in that diagnosis, you know, the first one I'm going to call outside my family's gym. All right. And say, Jim, geez, this is what I'm dealing with. And then, again, I'll take my family out of it because obviously my wife led the charge here. But I just hone in on Jim for a second is that Jim was at the hospital every day. Jim was on the phone my wife all the time. What can I do? How's he doing? And so forth. Jim was over the house when I came home. Jim would take me to radiation appointments when my wife needed a break. Jim would come over and just walk with me sometimes when I was, you know, around there trying to recover. He took me at to fluids when I was dehydrated. And he would always be there when him, my wife needed him, anyway, or I needed him. That continued throughout the journey to where I am today. There's been a lot of ups and downs since then. He did my job basically while I was out for a year. So That type of a friendship, that type of a person, that's the reason you have someone like that in an inner circle, because that's the one you can count on. You know, when things are awesome, but also when things are very rough and when they're rough and you have a person like that behind you, that roughness becomes maybe just a little bit easier to deal with. So I definitely want to end a huge thank you to Jim and gratefulness for what he's done for me throughout my career, but especially during those Five years of difficulty in my life. Thank you, Joe.
0: Exquisite. You are both so lucky to have each other. In this moment, I'm feeling gratitude for this idea of the inner circle constantly lifting us up. And I think you both talked about how inner circles can support us in reaching new heights. And I think about that in each season of life that we enter. And I'm feeling grateful for that. I'm also feeling grateful for health as we've been sitting here together. I've been feeling my third baby in my belly moving and kicking wow. and constantly and <laughs> everything you say. So I'm feeling very grateful for my health in this moment and the health of the baby. So thank you both so much for joining Well, and congratulations, today.
1: Sarah. That's awesome.
0: Thank yes. you. Thank you. He must have really like loved everything you both said because this was like, jam, jam. jam. <laughs> he's <laughs> trying to concentrate on what you're saying.
1: Little kickboxing match <laughs> down there, yeah.
0: Oh, oh yeah.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Good luck with everything. I'm sure <laughs> everything is going to go fantastic for you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's I know you awesome. both have really full schedules. So thank you for making the time to share this conversation with a broader audience.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you. Our pleasure. Yes, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to Move This World with me, Sarah Potler-Lahane. Before you go, wherever you are right now, join me for one final breath and hold in your mind a word or phrase that you are taking away from this conversation. Breathe in and out. At Move This World, we know social and emotional wellness is necessary, relevant, and impacts our everyday lives. At school, in our homes, at our workplaces, and in our relationships. The tools we need to develop are critical for our happiness and success as individuals and as communities. Together, we can create a world where everyone belongs. To explore more ways to move this world, visit us at movethisworld.com or follow us on Twitter at move underscore this world. If you liked this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Jonathan Jacobson and Seaplane Armada. I cannot wait to move this world with you.